happy Thanksgiving and welcome to Minute 104 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob and joining me on this lovely Thanksgiving uh, morning, day, however you want to look at it, is Father David Mowry, chaplain to the Movies by Minute community. Welcome back, Father David, and happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Pass the gravy. I'm going to dive right into these mashed potatoes. Wait, wait, wait. First, let's talk about the greatest game, and then you can go and eat. Oh, <laughs> all right. Fair enough. <laughs> Hold off just a little bit. Oh, but it looks so good. I mean, how did you get this turkey to look so golden brown? I'm so impressed, Rob. Uh, it's because it's kosher. Uh. <laughs> ah. Yeah, there you go. The secrets that you didn't know. Oh. Minute 104 begins with Henley making an offer and goes all the way till Collins starts having second thoughts. So, once again, we're continuing with this uh, great debate in The Great Escape between Roger and Henley with Colin just sitting sitting by and uh, watching while sitting on the bottom of a bunk bed looking at both of them while they're standing up. We've been discussing all week the, the pros and cons of taking a blind man on, a, on an escape like this or not. Kept it no secret that I think that Roger is correct in everything that he's saying, even though I'm a fan of Handley. But I think at this point, all of his reasoning just doesn't really pan out. Henley starts thinking about it, and, you know, as, as we ended yesterday, Roger basically said, well, I'm the one who's making the decisions here. Taking a blind man is just an unnecessary risk that's going to ruin it for everybody. So we, we get a few seconds of Henley thinking about the, this, this particular predicament. And he actually... I love how we I love I love those couple of seconds of silence. I love that the movie coming from that older style of filmmaking gives these kind of character moments time to breathe. Yes. Where you can see Handley's resolve building as he is about to make this offer and Overall, the pacing of this movie, yeah, we've joked, it's a three-hour movie, so it's a commitment to watch, but when you settle into it and you're away from the more frenetic pace of movie making that we have in the 21st century and you go back into some 20th century filmmaking, it's really nice that we have moments like this treated with as much um, attention and care that the uh, big laser show light specials get in, say, a contemporary Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. That's true. And and I like the fact that, that uh, people say if, you, if you're watching a three-hour movie, so it's got to be very tight and, it, you know, everything's got to be sharp and, and uh, you know, great editing and, and things like that. But they, they, they do take their time along the way to, to let us see the characters thinking. At certain mm-hmm. points, because here, you know, we get a few seconds of Henley thinking, and then he like, inhales deeply right before he says it. So I, I, I've always wondered if that in, inhalation is should I really should I say this? Am I am I going to be causing myself more problems by 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 putting out this offer? And then he's like, Yeah, the heck with it, I'm going to do it. You know, he 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 then makes a statement. Colin's not a blind man as long as he's with me, and he's going with me. First of all. Uh, that's a pretty silly statement. Um, what do you mean he's not a blind man as long as he's going with me? He's still a blind man. <laughs> he's now jeopardizing my escape. That's what he's doing. Well, that, well, that's the beauty of the offer that Hendley is making, that he is willing to put himself at greater risk in order to give Blythe a shot to escape. 
and he is offering to be another man's eyes. You know, this is a yes. sentiment that we hear often, you know, someone being another person's eyes, someone who is someone else's ears if that person is blind or is deaf. You, but the not offer that Henley is making <laughs> well but even in it well i mean i think if people are willing to do that in ordinary life you know, how much more is it needed during a prison escape uh, that this offer is being made speaks to Henley's character you know we've we've seen Henley be an operator mm -hmm. throughout this film being able to manipulate people get what he needs be really crafty a bit of a scoundrel but here we see Hendley's nobility. We see his willingness to sacrifice himself for others. And it is indeed a sacrifice because he's shackling himself to a blind man. It is going to make his escape that much harder. And for all that, this is still the decision that is, makes sense given the dynamic between Hendley and Blythe's yes, characters. Now, whether it's the right or wrong thing to do, I don't know. But it certainly speaks to the genuine friendship that exists between yes, these two men. No question about it. I, I mean, I was I was questioning the way that he says it, not the act itself. The act itself, obviously, is very selfless, and and it, it says a lot about about his his true character deep down. But just by 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 phrasing it, uh, by saying that okay, he's not blind as long as he's with me. Uh, I don't know. I think I think the ah, uh, he's speaking metaphorically. Completely, but but of course he's speaking metaphorically. But but it's still you know it sounds as if he's going to see. I mean later on we'll we'll see in the movie you know how much he re really needs to to, to help Henley. Uh, Henley needs to help Blythe out. You know there's a point where they're mm -hmm. they're walking through the barracks and he needs to steer him away from a stove so that he doesn't doesn't bump into it, which which is a great scene. But it, it shows how deeply blind this character really is. And, you know, Henley really needs to, 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 to watch out for him uh, in such a, such a powerful way. Yeah, no, I just, mm -hmm. it's just a, a funny way to phrase the, the, his sentiment here of what he's saying. And then, then he, like, tops off the, the, the line with saying, and he is going with me, meaning... You know, you may be my commanding officer, as we've discussed earlier in the week, but I'm still the one who's making the final decision here. Again, I think that that's just for the audience, you know, to show a little bit of conflict between yeah. between these, you know, two top build actors. I, I don't think there's anything beyond that. Well, I think Roger recognizes that Hendley knows the risks knows what he's doing, and respects the decision that Henley is making here. If Henley is willing to jeopardize his own escape by guiding Blythe through, I think Roger figures, okay, I'll let him do that. Because Henley has said here he thinks he can make it all the way. He has a, a, that romantic desire to get all the way home. It's not enough for him to just harass the enemy behind the front lines, but he wants to get all the way home. And with that goal in mind, he's still willing to make this self-sacrificial decision to give Blythe the same chance. Right. That's very so I think Roger is just is respecting that, and it's, it's a moment of humanity for Roger. Yes. Uh, and he's already in a, in a bit of existential angst because... He's feeling the weight of the command. Of course, heavy is the head that wears the crown. And so I think Henley's catching him in a 
uh, at a good point rhetorically to make this argument that Roger is open to being persuaded to change his mind because he's having doubts about his own uh, responsibilities as being in command. Yes, yes, that's very true. I, then we get a very short uh, shot of Blythe himself, which he looks really funny in the way that you know. Once again, they're showing him he's he's the uh, you know the child sitting in, in a, listening to his parents fighting about something. And he has nothing to nothing to offer, and you know he he looks in some ways bored, but he also looks like okay, I don't really want to be here, I don't want to be in the middle of this, this this argument. Don't don't fight over me or whatever it may may be. And I love the way they change the music cue at that point because then you start getting yes. an upbeat you know tone to the whole thing. It's just like okay, we've had we've had this uh, you know three and a half minute somber conversation. And boom! Now we're gonna we've we've found a solution, and we're gonna move along with it. And and things are back on track. So let's let's deal with an upbeat type of music. And then Roger Roger turns to him and goes, "Well, is is that okay with you?" It, it's it's funny at this point he's asking Collins permission for this. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you right as if as if Blythe said, "Oh no, actually no, this is not okay with me." Well, but it's possible Blythe could say, "No, I don't want to jeopardize." Henley's escape. I recognize that I'm too much of a burden, but I think in this moment, Blythe is honoring the sacrifice that Henley's willing to make. He's honoring their friendship, and that is often something that's very difficult to do. Uh, the hard part often is not giving a gift. The hard part is receiving a gift yes. and being able to do so graciously, and there's a lot of false selflessness that can come into a moment like this like oh no no i couldn't possibly no i wouldn't want to jeopardize your escape oh no just leave me behind it's fine and you know, play the martyr act to make people insist upon it so so that you can appear selfless but i think blythe does the really charitable thing here and accept uh accept henley's own offer of charity yes you know then you see a, a smile creep on his face as he says oh yes quite you know he's, mm -hmm. he's realized that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then we get a quick shot of Henley and a quick shot of Roger. They're they're both once again questioning whether this is a good idea. You know, now that I, maybe maybe they were partially maybe both of them were partially hoping that Colin would say, ah, I don't think it's a good idea. You know, maybe maybe that's what that that's what Henley was was aching for here. You know, that that maybe mm -hmm. he feels that he knows Colin well enough that Colin's not going to agree to it. So because so, sometimes you know making an offer, even though you know that that uh, the answer is is going to be no. You still uh, get the credit for for making the offer. So I wonder. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's uh, part of what was expected here. You know, and he's like, ah, oh. he actually said mm -hmm. yes. Oops. <laughs> no, exactly. you're supposed to say no. Don't agree to this. This is madness. At this point, Roger then says, okay, well, I'll, I'll arrange for your escape numbers to be altered accordingly. Basically, just a quick uh, explanation to anyone who who isn't aware. You know, each one of the 250 prisoners that were getting out were given a number. In the real escape, they, there were certain people that were assigned certain numbers, and then the rest of them, there, there was a lottery where they would decide who would who would go and what number they would get. So at this, oh, there's mm -hmm. a lottery. Uh, because if you have a prison, if you have a prison yeah. camp with 600 prisoners and you're only going to get 250 out, you you know, uh, you might as well let fate make that decision. You know, you don't you don't want to have Roger, as we've discussed earlier this week about uh, you know commanding officers having to make certain decisions. You know, why should he have to make that decision if you could just put all the names in the hat, you know, and decide at that point? Right. So that 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 works. So it's it's interesting that 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 he mentions this 
because it's it's a way to explain to the audience that okay, this is being done in an orderly fashion. This isn't this isn't just random. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he quite formally says uh, good night to everybody and rushes out of there. Yeah, you know, he's he's trying to get out of there as quickly as possible at this point. Well, he has escape numbers to rearrange. He's got to change the spreadsheet. He has to change the seating chart. He's got so much paperwork that has to happen now that we're taking this blind man along no, with us. We know that we're taking him. But, or actually, maybe he already made the change. He said, all right, um, you know, Smith, you're now going to go instead of Colin. And now he's got to go tell Smith, uh, right, wait a second. Right. Uh, I know I told you that you were going to be going soon, but uh, there's been a change of plans. <laughs> I hate these last minute disappointments there's just been an unending domino chain of last minute letdowns as roger goes from room to room and everyone has been able to convince him to let him escape (laughs) instead of being denied the spot and so there's there's someone at the end of this chain where roger says no dang it someone's not going and it's going to be you i've had everyone else talk me into it but i don't care what your story is you're not going exactly (laughs) then so Roger leaves the room and Henley closes the door. Did did you notice that that they've hanging right uh, near the stove? They, they they have these like little towels, these hand towels, you uh-huh. know. So so this is a way for them to show that that uh, you know the, I guess these are the towels that they need to use when they're taking showers or washing up or whatever it is. So I, that's one of the things I love about this movie is the detail. You know, most movies wouldn't even have them there. Excellent set dressing. Exactly, the, the, you wouldn't have it here. It's it's not necessary. It doesn't add to to the to the story itself, but it but it actually does because it it, it gives you more information about what uh, type of of supplies these various uh, characters all have to deal with in the camp at this point. And as and as we've established, Handley is very good at laundry because he keeps his sweater white and crisp and clean. And so I imagine those are some of the cleanest towels in the entire camp. Yeah, they, they don't look as white as his uh, turtleneck, but uh, yeah, it's actually very true. And at this mm-hmm. point, uh, Colin starts having cold feet, and he basically says, well, you know, he is right. He's he's completely right. I probably shouldn't go at all. At this point, he says that his eyes have actually been getting worse and worse lately. Uh, now, when he says lately, is he referring to mm, in, in the last few minutes? <laughs> Just a few minutes ago, I was able to pick up a pin and almost put up, put up my eye with it. You know, but at this point, my, my eyesight is getting worse and worse. Uh, so he's he's noticed. So that what that says to me is his eyesight has been going over time. This hasn't happened all in one shot. It's he, I think it's one of those moments where now that it's this bad, he's able to look back and be honest with himself and say, this has been going on for a while. I didn't want to admit it. But now that things are so bad that it's threatening my escape from the prison camp, I have to face facts and say my eyesight's been getting worse for a long time, not just in the last couple of weeks or however long it's been since Eagleist really fouled up that past. No, that was just a few minutes ago. That that happened tonight. You know, the the whole thing with with with, with counting up the four days' work on the, the passport. Really? So that that's all the same. This is all the same yeah. day. Yeah. Boy, I, it seemed to me that at least some time had passed between that scene and this yep. one. But if this is happening the same day, then uh, I'm very impressed with Mac's intelligence operation. Exactly. That, that was my point. That it, it literally happened, mm. let's say, a few hours ago at, at the most. You know, because uh, when, when you, you know, you have that scene and then right after that you have, you know, everyone training with Mac, practicing their German, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it definitely happened okay. tonight. So, 
Wow. All right. So as as we've been discussing all week, this is Donald Pleasant Appreciation Week, and on this Thanksgiving, what would you like to? Which one of his films would you now like to highlight? Well, how how about a little slice of Americana? We've been we've been looking at Donald's films from the the mid nineteen sixties, and things have been pretty heavy the last couple of days: a murder trial, a homeless man being abused, and oh, the the devil showing up to tempt Jesus of Nazareth. So yeah, how about something a little lighter? How about the Hallelujah Trail? The 1965 <laughs> comedy in which Donald Pleasance plays Oracle Jones, a wilderness guide who's able to see into the future thanks to the influence of alcohol and is able to lead his local town of miners to a big old whiskey shipment that's going to see them through one of the worst winters they're about to experience. Uh, it's one of the great big comedies of the 1960s in the same style as things like The Great Race or It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And it one of those epic comedies. So this, again, is close on to being a three-hour movie. It's two hours and 45 minutes. And the madcap zaniness of it is, is pretty obvious. Uh, now, it, it's fair to say that the depiction of Native Americans in this film is not what we would want it to be. So take that for what it's worth and... Uh, uh, make sure that your expectations are adjusted accordingly. But it is really wild to see Donald Pleasance playing this old-timey prospector-style character when we're so used to the more serious reserve depiction here of Blythe or the heavier, more dramatic roles that we've had in The Guest or in uh, Dr. Crippen. Right. All right, well, that, that's another uh, recommendation. It's It's... It's uh, another one. So so far, you're three three out of four that I haven't seen. So you've you've given me uh, some some movies to to watch. This is something that 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 looks really interesting, and it's also directed by John Sturgis, who surprisingly is the director of The Great Escape. But they, he just he could see the comedic potential in Donald Pleasance's performance, and we've seen it all week. I mean, it's just been laugh a minute this week on The Great Escape, and so clearly Completely. Donald Pleasance. Oh yeah, Donald Pleasance is just a comedic genius. Yeah, and see that it was it's with Burt Lancaster and Lee Remick and Jim mm -hmm. Hutton. I've always loved mm -hmm. movies with Jim Hutton. That's Timothy mm -hmm. Hutton's father, Brian Keith, Martin Landau, John Anderson. Wow, all right, that, that, uh, I'm definitely gonna have to take a look at that one. All right, do you want to tell everyone once again how they can get in touch with you after they finish their Thanksgiving meal? After you, or after you, after you finish meal? yours. Well, well, I mean, of course, mine, mine's going to take a while yet, so I may be a bit delayed in getting back to you. But you can find me on Twitter at, at Father Mowry, that's F-R-M-O-W-R-Y, or you can swing by my website, fatherdavidmowry.com, uh, take a look at a blog post that hopefully I have updated at least this year, uh, maybe this month, who knows, maybe I've been productive, and to take a look at the other movies by minutes appearances that uh, I've done in the past, talking about other movies. All right, great. And you can contact us by going to our Facebook group, The Cooler. Our Twitter account is Great Escape MXM, and our website is TheGreatEscapeMinute.com. And if you want to send us an email, you can send it to TheGreatMinute at gmail.com. So once again, uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone, and we'll see you tomorrow. Tally-ho! Tally-ho! Gobble-gobble! <laughs>